Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, December the 26th, 2023. It is currently 5.14 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. So what were you doing last night? It, it was Christmas night. What what were you doing on December the 25th, Christmas night? Now, I did some broadcast and I did some scripture reading and I, I did some things along those lines. Obviously, I did some spiritual things, obviously. But at one point in the evening, I decided to take some time to watch a movie. Now, let me just go ahead and get this out of the way. Whenever you get ready to talk about a movie on a theology podcast, there's always going to be the never-ending argument about what a Christian should or shouldn't watch. And I understand that. And if you choose not to watch something, I have nothing but respect for that. And that is wonderful. And that is great. If someone else chooses to watch something, I think that's something that they get to choose to do. The issue really is whether you watch it or don't watch it, don't allow your decision to watch or not watch be a negative impact on you spiritually. You cannot watch and become spiritually prideful, self-righteous, condemning, judgmental. And that really, you're you're like, whoa, you don't watch a movie, but then you really are demonstrating a million other things that are contrary to Christianity. And then you can watch a movie, and then that thing is really having a profound negative impact on how you think or, or creating other problems. Each individual has to decide how that's going to impact them. Whenever I talk about a movie, I don't talk about a movie necessarily to endorse it or to promote it. I talk about it either A, because it's it's something that everyone is talking about it, or B, to try to grab a concept from it. Typically, you'll notice whenever I talk about movies, rarely do I talk about the movie much. I, I, I may give a little information just because it's a movie, but I typically go right for some kind of philosophical concept, some kind of concept that I can relate to theology. I'm not saying doing that somehow now makes... I, you know, makes the movie you have to see. It's just, if I see something, I think of it, I could take the concept and just act like I came up with a concept on my own. But no, whatever I'm about to talk about was directly inspired and influenced by the movie that I watched last night. So I didn't know exactly what to watch. So I went to Netflix, looked at what was trending and saw a movie. And the name of that movie is Leave the World Behind. Leave the world behind. Here's some basic, and I'm talking basic information about the movie. Leave the world behind. It's a 2023 American apocalyptic psychological thriller, and it is based on a 2020 novel. I have never read the novel. I definitely have seen the novel, but I have never read it. Um, It basically has a group of individuals and it kind of describes and shows you their attempt to make sense of the gradual breakdown in phones, television, and, uh, and other regularly used technology, which points to a potential cataclysm. 
Now, the movie is kind of, it's not a really fast-paced, big action. There's definitely action, but it kind of moves at a slower pace. It really deals with kind of building up this drama and kind of giving you this atmosphere of kind of like dread and confusion and a lot of interpersonal relationships. The interpersonal relationships clearly touch on issues related to um well, race is obviously one, and there's a lot of interpersonal things. It's by no means a Christian movie, so don't go into it expecting that. Um, but as I was watching the movie, kind of trying to figure out where it's going. Now, of course, what most people talk about when they talk about the movie is the ending, because the ending is one of those that's going to leave you either confused, perplexed, confounded, frustrated, aggravated, or maybe you're somewhat pleased because you feel the ending fits the overall narrative of the movie. But for me, there was one very important scene. And that scene is being talked about in a lot of places on the internet. I'm not the only one mentioning it. A lot of people are talking about it. And it's a, a, in this scene that a three-step plan, a three-part plan is introduced that this is the easiest way to destabilize and basically overthrow a country. There's a three-step plan and that if it's carried out, you can overthrow a country, you can destabilize it, and you can basically have victory over your enemies. And it's a powerful scene. And I think that that's really kind of the, the, the essence of the movie is this three-part plan. Now, according to one article, they stated this. Is it easy to implement the three-step theory of, and then here are the three parts. You ready? Here are the three parts. So there, there's already a discussion online about how easy it would it be to, to basically carry these out, to implement this. Here are the three plans, right? The three-step theory are, number one, isolation. Number two, chaos which will then inevitably leave, lead to step three or, or you know, a th three-part plan. So isolation, chaos, then civil war and collapse. Now we'll talk about each one of these. So they're like, hey, this is easy to implement. And really it's a two-part plan. Really, it's a two-part plan. Because basically they're saying if you can isolate and create enough chaos, that inevitably step three will happen on its own. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is get the isolation going on and the chaos. If you do that, step three will happen by itself. You know, so really it's a two-step plan if you really think about it. Step three, you don't need to do anything. And here is how at least one article describes this plan, all right? Isolation. You knock out all communication methods, including satellite communication. You clog up the roads and, and, and you just, you create just total isolation. People are cut off. They're isolated. They can't go here. They can't go there. They have to basically stay where they, they, they are. They may be able to travel short distances, but if they try to get on an interstate or a freeway that you, you basically mess that all up. You stop people from being able to, to travel anywhere. Knock out being able to fly, drive any long distances. You could walk. But that's it. That's it. You basically just isolate everyone. You isolate. So there's isolation is the first. Then chaos. Now, what you do with chaos is you spread misinformation so that people do not trust each other, which will lead to chaos and people will turn on each other. You create ways of, of creating chaos and confusion by spreading misinformation. Enough. You isolate 
I'm going to say it this way. You isolate and then you indoctrinate. This is what I'm going to say. Isolate and indoctrinate, but with misinformation, which will lead to chaos. But they call it isolation and chaos. They call it isolation and chaos. But during the way you create the chaos is by giving this misinformation, wrong information. So you cut everyone off. They can't gain information anywhere else. So however you can get the information to them, they can't really check it. They can't verify it. They just, this is all they have. And then they just rely on it, which then creates mistrust. And then the chaos builds and the chaos builds. And then next thing you know, step three, you just sit back. Once you've, once you've isolated everyone and once you start creating the chaos, you don't need to do anything else. You can take, you can take a, a break. You can, you can have a couple of days off and then slowly but surely civil war and collapse will happen. And it seems to happen completely on its own. At least that's the theory put forth in the film. And I, to me, that's the, 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 the key of the whole movie is this three-step plan is being played out piece by piece by piece. Now, how the ending fits with that three-part plan, that's for you to figure out, right? That you, you, you can do your own if you want, if you want to watch it. Not telling you to watch it. Again, please note you're going in not watching a Christian film. Okay. So by no means, no way, no how. It's not Christian. And there could be plenty there that you could offend you. So don't watch it. But since this is trending in the United States of America and it's now sparking conversation and there's a lot of TikToks out there as well about this, I thought we would discuss it. But here's what I want to do. I don't want to look at this so much from a societal standpoint I don't want to much, so much look at this about the United States of America, government, how this could overthrow. Is this plan already being utilized to some level, even inadvertently and get all, you know, conspiratorial on it? I want to look at it. Well, what's the name of this podcast? Theology Central. I want to look, look at it more from a theological perspective. How can that three-part plan, that three steps be utilized to break the church, break Christianity, bring ruin to an individual's Christian life. Now, it starts with isolation. Now, to me, however you want to understand this isolation concept. Now, I've got an article here that offers a five-step a five plan to spiritual ruin, and it's not obviously based off the movie. They try to base it off some scriptures, and we could get into is that is, those, is what those scriptures really trying to say, and we'll read it. I'll read it word for word here in a minute, but I just want us to consider these three ideas, isolation, chaos, and civil war. Isolation, chaos, and civil war. Now, isolation to me happens in the world of Christianity when we isolate ourselves into our own little, like, our own little echo chamber. I, I know that's a dated term, and some people believe it's not an accurate term, but where you just kind of like, here's my team, and I'm not going to listen to anyone else. I'm just going to, it's me, myself, or it's me and my little group, and we're not going to listen to any. We're going to isolate. We're going to isolate, 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 isolate. I think isolation is is very detrimental because if you isolate yourself, you don't, you're never challenged. You don't ever hear a different perspective. You can never grow. You may never find out that maybe you are wrong. Isolation tends to eat, lead to, this is what I think it leads to, spiritual arrogancy, self-righteousness, a judgmental spirit. Well, 
We have the ability. We nobody has to knock uh, knock out our communication. <laughs> we don't communicate because we want to isolate ourselves to only communicate with people who agree with us, and we only want to listen to what we agree with. Right? If we don't agree with it, I'm going to go somewhere where they will. T- I will listen to who tells me what I want to hear. And if I if they don't like what you want to hear, then you know I get I get the messages. You know, I'm never listening to your podcast again. You are trash. I'm never. Now I'm not saying they should listen to me. I'm just saying you have to be willing to hear and listen listen to things that may challenge your perspective at least a little bit and be willing to take that challenge and work with it and run with it. But as soon as people don't like what you have to say, they bail, they walk away, they leave. People will do that in church. People will do that with what they listen to. And it's and it just creates isolation, isolation, isolation. And then it's just confirmation bias just being, you, your bias is just being confirmed because all you're listening to is that which confirms your bias. So I think there can be a spiritual isolation. There can be a, an ideological isolation. Me, us against the world. And everyone else is wrong, but we are right. Now, I don't know how that would, could play out in your life. I'm just, look, I'm taking the concept and just throwing it out there. And you, you can, I, I love to present to you some concepts and you can extrapolate. You can try to pull it together how you think that could work, how that could be negative in your own Christian life. So you have isolation. Now, the second thing is indoctrination, right? But they call it chaos, and the, the way it's defined is you spread information, misinformation so that people do not trust each other. You, you feed people misinformation, wrong information, bad information, which then cr- creates a breakdown. Now, I think the church has been infected with misinformation for a very long time. More and more Christians within the church buy into conspiratorial theories or half-baked ideas, and then they almost isolate themselves from any information that contradicts their little theories. The minute you're like, whoa, 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 that's not, and you're like, how dare you try to give me facts that comes from the mainstream media, and I don't believe anything. I only listen to, you know, what I find on YouTube, or, yeah, like they, and, and not just everything on YouTube, they isolate themselves so they only hear certain information, and then they buy into the misinformation, and so then they're like, it's me, of them and it creates this I don't trust anyone but but the people who I agree with. You isolate and then in a sense you indoctrinate, but you don't indoctrinate with truth. You don't indoctrinate with reason. You don't indoctrinate with facts. You don't indoctrinate with thorough research and, and pr- primary uh, source and secondary source and and, all, and, and you know, any, no, 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 no. You throw all of that out because that's ridiculous. Now, people will always say, I did my due diligence. I did my research. And then you go look at their sources and you're like, there's not one, like, even thing remotely close to an academic peer-reviewed anything. And I don't care. I think that's detrimental to the church. I think it's detrimental to Christianity. So you have the isolation. I think the next stage is indoctrination, but they call it chaos. But it's misinformation that produces chaos and mistrust. And then ultimately, it says what will happen is the civil war, the collapse, just begins to happen on its own. Now, 
just a fight. So you end up with division. You end up with disunity. Well, I, I think that's been going on in Christianity for a long time, right? Now, I'm not saying you pursue unity at the expense of truth. But we have disunity at the expense of misinformation, of fraudulent information. Do you think this three-step plan can be utilized in some way? And, is, and, it, and, and it may just be carried out by our own sinful nature. It's not that there's an external source at work that we do this to ourselves. We isolate because we only, we, 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 we cut off our own communication. We're like, I'm not going to listen to that. Don't want that. Don't want that. Don't disagree, disagree, disagree. Oh, here's everyone who agrees with me. Oh, look how right I am. Oh, every time they talk, I, I know that I'm smarter than I thought I was. Oh. Look at me, right? So you isolate. Then you just start, you, you isolate, but the information you start getting is actually fraudulent, correct, and corrupted. So then you just spiral even further, further, further into basically chaos. You start turning on each other. And then the next thing you know, you have a civil war and you have collapse. Now, I don't know how that plays out perfectly in the spiritual life. You may want to map that out a little bit better. You may want to clarify. You may want to turn it into a five-part plan, a four-step plan, a six-step plan. But we do need to see those things that can have negatively be negatively at work in your Christian life and my Christian life, which can be destructive. So as I was thinking about this, I'm like, well, let me do a little research. There's got to be other people who've carried out and done some work. So I ended up in an article I don't even know the name of this article. Oh, five easy steps to spiritual ruin and how being sifted can give you hope. All right. Now, this is a, a, like a devotional. They, they quote here from the Gospel of Luke. Um, and then I'm just going to I'm going to go down and I'm just going to read. I'm just going to jump right in instead of getting into the scriptures here. I'm just going to I'm going to add this to this three step plan, this three part plan, three point plan, however you want to classify it. You can, you can mess with it a little bit spiritually and see what you can come up with. But I want to go to what they call a five-step, five-step spiritual ruin. This is how it is written. From the garden of Gethsemane to the courtyard of the high priest, Peter took five perilous steps that sifted him to his core and almost led to his spiritual ruin. Here's what not to do when confronted with trials and temptations. Now, they say these are five things not to do, but these are five steps that will lead to your spiritual ruin. The first one is being overconfident. Spiritual overconfident. Now, they, they say Peter believed his love and devotion for Christ was sufficient to overcome whatever trials came his way. His refusal to see his vulnerability put him in the vulnerable position of battling his flesh and his own strength. Hey, Lord, uh, everyone else may, may abandon you. Everyone else may deny you, but not me. I've got this. I will die for you. A little bit of overconfidence. Self-righteousness. Now, I don't know if that perfectly correlates with the isolation or chaos, but hey, the idea in the isolation is you kind of isolate yourself from everyone else because everyone else is wrong and we are right and you only listen to yourself and then you begin to think that you're better and smarter. And, and well, I, I think there's a little bit of that. Maybe that's a, there's a correlation, may not be perfect. Now, the second one was un, 
um, how do they put this? Underprepared, underprepared, right? Underprepared. This is what they say. Jesus warned the disciples that temptation was coming and they needed to pray. Uh, whether uh, whether uh, for sorrow or for foolish self-confidence, Peter slept when he should have gone to battle in prayer. Now, we can be underprepared spiritually. Underprepared. Instead of seeing, now you could be saying, is this underprepared or is this not being sober and being vigilant? Is this being lazy? Is this being spiritually apathetic? What words would you put there? I don't know. But you, well, I think when you're, uh, see, instead of being underprepared, I think what happens is when you're overconfident, you become spiritually apathetic and you're not looking for danger because you feel like you're not in danger. And I think the most dangerous time as a Christian is when you don't feel like you're in danger. <laughs> That's when you're probably in the most danger. The third, so they're saying five steps to spiritual ruin is being overconfident and being underprepared. You could talk about being apathetic there. They say third is overzealous. Now, that's interesting. Overzealous. They say when confronted in the garden by the arresting troops, Peter pulled out a dagger and cut off the soldier's ear. Luke chapter 22, verses 50 through 51. In his purely reactionary state of mind, Peter's passion overrode his logic. He probably was aiming for the soldier's throat and the soldier ducked and Peter missed. Even in this, Jesus' calm and healing touch stand in sharp contrast to the chaos that Peter and others were creating. Oh, there's the chaos and the three-step plan. But here the chaos is created by an overzealous, by emotions, by acting out of emotion, by by reacting instead of thinking, out of reacting instead of contemplating and considering. Emotion is so detrimental. Emotion will utterly destroy you spiritually. There's no question about it. So being overconfident, prideful, arrogant, that will destroy you spiritually. I'm going to say being spiritually apathetic, being underprepared, not being sober, not being vigilant. That will ruin you because you, when you, when you, when you don't see danger and warning, then, then you're going to be in trouble. But then overzealous, you act out of emotion. Instead of self-control, you act out of emotion. You act out of desire. You just say and do and then later regret. Now, the next one is the next two. I think they're kind of pushing it a little bit here, right? I think this, they're get, they try to get a little too clever because they're trying to follow the, the story of Peter from the garden to the, the palace of the high priest. I think they're, they're trying to get a little cute here. But the next one, they say undercover. After Jesus was arrested, Peter followed at a distance. Just a few hours earlier, he proclaimed that he'd, got, he'd go to prison or die for Jesus. Yet here he was in full self-preservation mode, following at a distance, implied the compromise had begun and the slippery slope to the bottom was virtually unstoppable, but he followed at a distance. So what I'm going to say is overconfidence, underprepared or apathetic or just not being sober vigilant. I don't know how you would want to word that one. Overzealous, emotional. And then I think the next one is you begin to be, you begin to kind of withdraw spiritually. You're, you're, you're a Christian, but you're kind of, you're not pursuing Christ with passion and zeal and close. You're taking a few steps back. And it's, it's self-preservation. And, the, and the, what we mean by self-preservation is you're preserving maybe sin and things you want, even though you know you shouldn't. Instead of getting rid of the weight that so easily besets us, the sin that so easily besets us, we carry it with us. We don't want to cut it loose. 
So it's self-preservation. They call it undercover, but I think it's more self-preservation, more more withdrawing yourself. I don't know how you would want to word that one. Again, I'm I'm just trying to throw out ideas here. You can put these together. And the last one makes no sense to me. They're like overheated is the, the last one. And this is the way they describe it. Once the compromise had begun, then Peter mingled with the enemy. It was here around the heat of the fire uh, pit and the courtyard of the high priest that Peter unwittingly denied, unwittingly denied Christ three times. So I don't know about overheated. I don't know about that. I think this is where... How, what would we call this? I don't like overheated. I don't like that. Um, I think this is where you abandon all caution and all reason and all logic. Right? He's, he's just right there among these. He's putting himself in a vulnerable situation. He's not thinking it through. If these people are out to arrest Christ and they've arrested him, well, if I go in here, there's a chance they could figure out that I'm one of his followers. This could put me in grave danger. And he just goes there anyway. Maybe he could think he could have justified it saying because his, you know, he wanted to be near Jesus. He wanted to see what happened, but he didn't think about it. And next thing you know, he puts himself in a very compromising situation. So I, 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 what, what do you do there? You, you, you just become foolish. You don't, you don't become wise. I don't know how you want to describe that last one. But they talk about, they say the five steps is being overconfident. I can see that one. Underprepared, I see that more being apathetic, complacent, not being sober or vigilant. Overzealous, you start acting out of emotion. Then you start withdrawing and you're following at a distance. You, in a sense, you go undercover. You're a Christian, but you're not really pursuing it, even though you say you are. And then I just think it's full-blown, just <laughs> you throw all caution to the wind. You just, and then you're right there mingling with the enemy, and then you find yourself in trouble. What do you think? Do you think there's a three step plan, five step plan? I don't know if there's ever a definitive plan, a definitive steps. I think it's always interesting to see what can lead to overthrow, to spiritual ruin, to collapse, to danger. I think, I think sometimes we don't understand it until it happens to you when you find yourself falling and you're in some sin. And then I think sometimes then we step and look back going, Oh, wow. How did I get from here to here? How did I get to the garden to denying Jesus three times? How did I go? from saying, I would die with you. I will never deny you to denying him three times. How does that happen? Well, we can see it in Peter. We can see it in, all, I think, in every way. Now, it's always easy after the fact. After the fact, we're like, well, what are you doing? Or when you're looking at someone else, you're like, what are you doing? It's like watching a movie, right? Where you're like, what are you doing? Don't go down to the basement. What The lights are out. Why are you going? To- Don't go in there. Why are you going here? And we, we mock and laugh and, and have a good time because it's a movie. And we're like, these people are so foolish. And they make the worst decisions and they're so dumb. Uh, but then we look at our lives and we're like, why are we going down there? Why are we doing that? Why are we not turning light on? Why? Well, like, and we like, and we do the same things. Now, if we could see the steps, at least good enough, if we could, if we could articulate them, the only benefit of putting down steps to some level is that when we can see, oh, I'm right there in step two or I'm in step three, I better, I better... I better wake myself up now before I end up at step five or step three or wherever. 
Now, the movie presents a... a the, uh, let me pull it all up here again. Joseph, no, the movie Leave the World Behind, which is currently streaming on Netflix. Remember, not a Christian movie, not promoting it. Just it's a trending movie and people are talking about it all over social media. Presents this three-step plan to overthrow a country, overthrow your enemies. And this three-step plan is isolate chaos or sometimes called synchronized chaos with misinformation. So isolate, indoctrinate, and then the collapse happens on its own. People turn on one another, start fighting one another, and you have a division. You have total just chaos. You have total, you know, fighting. And, you know, if a kingdom is divided, can it stand? What do you think? What are some clear steps that will lead a person to spiritual ruin? Clear steps that could be at work in Christianity right now. When you look at Christianity right now, I do think there's an isolation breaking off into teams and not willing to listen to anyone. I think misinformation is right there. Now, I would the only thing I would add to this would be I think there's isolation. I think there's indoctrination with misinformation, fraudulent information, conspiratorial thinking. I think there is hijacking. The church is being hijacked with ideologies that are not biblical, but we're trying to make them biblical, even clearly than they're not. And then slowly but surely, it's leading to greater and greater and greater division. And Christianity is beginning to be so divided that it's fighting amongst each other. Now, that's always been true to some level. But I think it's only going to get worse because you got a Christianity out there that's Christianity in name, but it is so indoctrinated with misinformation and being politically hijacked that it's only Christianity in name. And it's going to turn on those who don't agree with them, and the other ones are going to turn on them, and then you're going to have the division, and then slowly but surely you have – it crumbles. Now, if you did watch the movie and you have any great insight to the um, – ending of the movie i'd love to get your your interpretation of the ending because that's that's the you know everyone's like what was that all right but if you didn't watch it by no means you don't need, you don't have to watch it obviously you don't need i'm not telling you you have to go watch it to get these points i've already articulated the points for you but it was difficult not to at least mention this the movie is currently streaming on Netflix. Again, it is definitely not a Christian movie. Plenty of non-Christian concepts and ideas are present within the film. Do keep that in mind. But it does bring forth this concept and these ideas about how to overthrow, how to collapse, how to destroy. I think as Christians, we want to see how that could play out in the church and how it could play out in your life and my life. Plenty for you to think about. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great evening. God bless.